I'm Ray Rogers. And I'm Annie Evans, co-host of today's episode. You're listening to Fix This, a podcast exploring tech ideas and solutions to some of today's largest challenges. The gaming industry helps to shape and define pop culture around the world, and it is not just for kids. As the gaming industry evolves, there's something for nearly everyone to enjoy. And while technology plays a foundational role in the creation and distribution of video games, it also offers an opportunity to upskill and diversify the talent that is represented in the production and promotion of these games. Creative Assembly is a craft-led European gaming studio with over 35 years of experience. It is focused on making deep and detailed games and giving its team creative freedom. Creative Assembly is owned by its parent company, Sega Europe, and is home to popular games like the Sonic Classic Collection. Creative Assembly is an Amazon Web Services customer that is dedicated to promoting inclusion, diversity, and equity internally at Creative Assembly and externally for the entire gaming industry via its education outreach program referred to as the Legacy Project. Creative Assembly uses the Legacy Project to create better access to gaming industry skills, devices, and jobs and to help shape the future of the gaming industry to be increasingly diverse, inclusive, and accessible to people from all walks of life. To learn more about how Creative Assembly is trailblazing a path in the games industry, Ray chatted with Emma Smith, Head of Talent at Creative Assembly, and Lucy Boxel, Director of Corporate Communications at Creative Assembly. Take a listen. My name is Emma Smith and I'm Head of Talent at Creative Assembly. I've been in the games industry for feels like a really long time but it's nothing really. I've been here for 13 years, lifelong person playing games and at Creative Assembly I look after the uh, talent acquisition element of the business but I also spearhead and I founded the Legacy Project which is our education outreach programme. And uh, so my name is Lucy Boxall. I'm our Director of Corporate Communications. I've been with Creative Assembly for six plus coming seven years now and I work very closely with Emma highlighting and supporting and PRing all the fantastic work that her team do Um, and I look after the the studio's brand and a variety of sort of strategic initiatives across the studio. We're so happy to have you join us today for the conversation. It is of course sometimes unusual to have two women speaking within the gaming industry so From your perspective, what have been some of the hurdles you've encountered in your own gaming industry careers as it relates to opportunities or access? So for me, I feel really fortunate to be at Creative Assembly. And I actually think the hurdles and barriers I've experienced in my career um, were, were before that point. And it was really joining the games industry and Creative Assembly that I felt truly able to drive forward and to be confident and to believe in myself, to be honest. Um, I, I used to work for the government, government departments. I worked very closely with ministers and I always felt that I wasn't able to speak up. I, I felt I always suffered from imposter syndrome, to be honest. Um, and, I, and I always struggled to say my piece and have the confidence in it in, in meetings or whatever it may be. And I never really felt that I had a manager that sort of believed me and pushed me um, to, to be who I could be. And when I joined Creative Assembly, you know, it was it was a breath of fresh air. It was like this fantastic creative industry 
that for me, someone who has no games industry experience and no games industry background and coming from a very corporate atmosphere um, in government, I was actually able to, to join this fantastic industry. And it was really a creative assembly that um, I felt really supported by my manager, studio director, Gareth Edmondson. Um, and I feel like my career has really excelled because of that. And I've always shied away from public speaking, um, presenting, anything like that, because I just didn't have the confidence in it at Creative Assembly. I'm just doing more and more of it. So from my perspective, the hurdles that I've encountered within the games industry, with personally within my own career, just echoing the sentiments that Lucy shared, is the, the biggest hurdles have been outside of the games industry, in fact. Um, and when I joined Creative Assembly, we were we were a much smaller studio than than what we are now. Um, but like Lucy had, had a really good manager at the time, who really recognised the the skills and capabilities that I had probably before I even saw them in myself. Um, and having someone be able to recognise that and nurture it and give you opportunities to really stretch um, and and grow and have new experiences. Um, helped me move past some of those moments of imposter syndrome or feeling like I was less than. Um, and, and, and that was that was that was a real change for me and um, being surrounded by people who um, had similar likes um, and similar interests. It really made me feel like I'd arrived. So being in the games industry, it really helped catapult my career further forward than I could ever possibly imagine. That being said, um, being a people professional person, uh, when you are an HR professional, um, quite often you are not really seen as part of really the hands-on development experience um, or people don't really understand uh, the role of um, HR or being um, a people professional within a business and a creative business. So it's taken some education on my part um, and being really strong and, and true to my word on the things that I can bring to the organisation that's a positive. Um, lots of PRing about, about what we do to try and help support making games when we don't actually get our hands on it. Um, it, it you know, that can be really tough. And, and quite often some of those hurdles can be around building trust and demonstrating the experience that, that you've gained in previous roles can really add value um, to making games. Um, so I have worked for the National Health Service in the United Kingdom. I've worked in charitable organisations. And although they are very different, there's a lot of similarities as well. Um, so they're not hurdles, they're challenges to overcome. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to have the right people around me to help me move past them. It sounds like Creative Assembly has really been this transformative space to work in and like a really wonderful place to almost find your own footing in that next step in your career. Some of these moments that you've described, can you go a little bit deeper? How have they shaped your work and approach to diversifying the industry? So when I joined Creative Assembly six, seven years ago um, and was introduced to the work of Emma's team with the Legacy Project, um, which is which is uh, the education outreach work we do. Um, it really resonated with me. The uh, and part of that is around showcasing diverse role models 
to to kind of show more people that the industry can be an inclusive and diverse place, it's important to see those diverse people represented and talking about games and talking about their skill sets in programming or design. So something that I've been able to take forward in my own work, looking at um, press and media relations, is how can we showcase that diverse talent? How can we showcase those, those role models in different ways? So I've been able to work with um, uh, people across the studio that aren't necessarily natural spokespeople. They might never have considered it or similar to me, they might have thought, oh, I'm never going to have the confidence for that. That's, that's just not a role for me. And through our learning and development, um, coaching and training, we've been able to work with more people and, and bring a wider, diverse range of speakers to the games industry. And whenever we look at representation at um, uh, conferences or um, speaking at colleges and universities and things, we always consider what are those role models saying just in being there? Is, are they showcasing a range of talents and are they showcasing a range of backgrounds that can inspire more people into joining the games industry? Who people see as the representatives of an industry can really influence whether or not they see themselves in a position within that industry years down the road. We have a little bit of a sense of how Creative Assembly approaches diversity, equity and inclusion. Can you give me a sense of how does this approach fit within the industry as a whole? What are other gaming industry players like in terms of diversifying their role models, diversifying their talent force? From my perspective, when I see um, the industry as a whole, and when I say about the industry as a whole, I'm, I'm specifically thinking about the UK games industry. Um, there is a real desire to create long and lasting and meaningful change in terms of diversity and inclusion. Our our trade body, um, UK, they've got um, they've got a DNI group um, that actively try to work on changing the landscape of what the games industry looks like in terms of demographics. We do a really good job about celebrating all the things that are that make us really unique. Um, and I feel like as if we're at the we're at the start of something that's really exciting and different. And um, we've all got our own different ways of doing that. Um, but we've got the desire to be better. We we know we want to be better, therefore we will be better. Um, one thing that we are seeing that's been really helpful actually is uh, the UK census um, that's been run for a few years now. Um, and we get a really good feel for the kind of people that are in our industry and, and where we see lots of changes and where we feel that we can put more focus and effort onto moving those through. Of course, we've got a long way to go in terms of uh, gender diversity, but we, we, we're all committed to making the games industry a place that really thrives um, and benefits from like, diversity and inclusion through innovation and creativity. And just to add to Em's point there, um, you know, it's, we can't shy away from the fact issues exist. Um, you know, we, we, we all read media around issues in the games industry. But 
where we are now is so different from where we were even a couple of years ago. The, the discourse around inclusion and diversity across the games industry is, is so positive, it's so progressive, and there are so many organizations, individuals, and groups who want to want to make a difference and want to see progress, but are also providing so many practical um, solutions and best practice examples for others to learn from and utilize in their own environments. And, and to add to that as well, um, you know, it's, it's not just about the people that we hire. There are so many people within the industry that act as mentors and support for others. Um, another really good example is the mentorship programme through Limit Break, um, where people throughout the industry are offering um, support, mentorship, um, conversations and networking to people across that whole programme. So there are there are there's so much goodwill um, and I can only see it becoming bigger and better. It's so refreshing to hear how the conversation is really changing throughout the UK and really Creative Assembly has been thinking about these topics for a really long time. I want to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier. Can you walk me through what the Legacy Project is and how it got started? The Legacy Project uh, was a, a really seed of an idea of mine in 2014. Um, it started uh, when there were a lot of educators and parents and students who wanted to understand more about the games industry. And they there was a real gap between the ability to deliver that learning to students who wanted to learn, but also through the lens of computer games development, because it felt like it was a really exciting and fresh way to learn. We had a lot of requests to try and help and support, um, and we had a lot of people within the studio who wanted to go and do that. Um, so my role was to try and facilitate between education and industry to be able to support the students. Whilst we started doing that, it continued to grow and we recognised there were more areas where I could try and facilitate and bridge conversations in using games to learn about lots of other things um, outside of computer science, whether it's it's team building or using art, um, understanding what kind of um, qualifications students might want to take when they leave school to go on to further and higher education. And through doing that, um, it reignited the passion of the educators. But also we realised that it was reigniting the passion of our developers and they just love talking about what they do and, and being a real ambassador for the students that they that they speak to for representing the games industry. Um, and we just wanted to keep on perpetuating that sense of, of good because it was a real win for us. What we noticed were the people that, that went out to speak to the students, um, came back with this renewed enthusiasm for the work that they do. Um, and they were so happy and grateful that they had time away from work that was paid, supported, being given training and learning and development to be able to do that. Um, makes us feel like as if we're trying to do something for the longer term rather than just, you know, give a talk at a university and that would be it. Um, we interact with the schools, um, colleges and universities and, and guide them on the things um, that the, the students need to learn to set them up for success. 
Um, and a lot of that doesn't necessarily have to be the course content. Um, we've delivered sessions on resilience and team working and communication skills. Um, and also we're showing the students people who are like them, people who have come from backgrounds like them and showing them that they can arrive and they can succeed doesn't sound simple at all to reinvigorate your own colleagues and your own workforce, but also to give them the tools, resources, and training and pay to actually bring more people into the conversation and share their knowledge. Tell us a little bit more about um, the students that you're working with or the people in the community that you're working with. What kinds of trainings and skills are the developers and people from Creative Assembly sharing with them? We speak to students from, I'm saying students, we speak to children as young as three years old. Um, we've run pilot programs with them where they can use um, toys and things that they're used to, to learn about programming in a way that's familiar and fun. So we use play-based learning techniques. Um, we've used things like, like Play-Doh to create um, mazes for children to move um, toys through, um, all the way through to um, delivering masterclasses on how to deliver uh, marketing plans, um, how to work together as a team. Um, we provide one-to-one -one mentorship as well to students to show them how to use particular packages for artworks such as Blender, um, where there's only so much you can learn by looking at a tutorial online. Speaking to someone who's really doing it makes a difference. And one of the key things that we're noticing about the, the students that we work with, um, and we work with an amazing college uh, in London called Elam, um, and they're some of the most diverse students that you could possibly meet. They come from so many different backgrounds um, and the kind of backgrounds that we don't tend to see in our industry already. Um, and the work that these students are producing the work that the students that we're seeing, you know, between 16 and 21 now are of a standard that we would have seen from a developer 10 years ago that would have had at least three to four years within the industry. So the standard of people coming in to games now is so much higher than it used to be as a result of studios like Creative Assembly just elevating their learning, but also their, their sense of self-belief. We do our best to showcase our talent in, in the best way we possibly can. Luckily, we've been able to change the diversity of uh, our entry-level uh, people when they've come into the studio over the, over the last decade. So we've got a richer, more diverse um, group of ambassadors. We call them CA ambassadors. We've got a richer group of ambassadors to go out and really represent people from all different walks of life. So that sense of inspiration is coming from so many different places. Um, and like I say the students are absolutely inspiring us, inspiring us to be better. So I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit more about how the project has changed over the years as it's grown and matured and you've learned all of these great and rich lessons. Over the years, the legacy project has really evolved. Um, we started small um, but thought big um, and we have got to the point where almost 20% of the studio are engaged as CA ambassadors which is a lot uh, that that's a lot of people that volunteer their time to support the the vision that we have for 
changing the games industry and changing the way that we work with education. Um, but what we are doing is being more focused and thinking about the wider income um, implications of, of the work that we do. And over the last two years during the pandemic, it became even more acutely aware that the students that we have been interacting with suddenly didn't have access to the technology that they needed to complete their course because they were so used to going into the college environment or into the university environment in the school environment where they had access to that technology it was suddenly taken away their home environment is really not what we would hoped it would have been we had students telling us that they were at home with many siblings sharing perhaps one or two pieces of technology um, or they were using their um, mobile devices to be able to continue their coursework. We knew that that was going to become a much bigger barrier to them completing their education and, of course, being able to arrive into the industry. So fortunately and brilliantly, we were able to access funds through Creative Assembly to provide more than £30,000 worth of laptops for the students that needed it the most. Being able to not just bridge the gap with knowledge and um, passion and enthusiasm for the for the games themselves, but being able to give them the technology to be able to do that. That was a real changer for us. Um, and it was a real change for the students as well. It, it changed their opportunity significantly. And it opened up my eyes to understanding just how dire circumstances some of these students were in and how much more as an industry we can do, not just by telling them about the jobs that they can have, but actually really enable them to, to learn and be able to make games um, and be able to provide that technology. What are the metrics of success that you're using to evaluate the legacy project's progress and impact? The metrics that we are using at the moment really comes from the feedback directly from the educators and the students. And we've asked them about the impact on them themselves um, on their course um, and where they've gone through into industry as well. What we are seeing is a much bigger intake in students um, feeling that they are able to actually end up in the industry at the end of it previously. Over the last five years, the students were taking the courses and then they didn't know if they were going to end up getting into the industry. Now they have a much more um, realistic um, and far more successful plan of gaining meaningful employment after they finish their course. Um, we are also noticing that, this, like I said earlier, the standard of the students um, and the work that they're producing is so much higher now than it has been since we started the project um, and also I'm noticing it across the board in terms of um, people who want to join the industry outside of those game development roles as well they're much more aware of PR and marketing they're more aware of data analysis thinking about the new and emerging skills that are coming through really that sense of awareness about us not just as making games but as a whole industry and a whole business is is, is really heartwarming um we're hearing far from we're seeing far more women apply for roles um at our entry level positions in our tech roles than we've ever seen before 
and the landscape of our entry level developers is is a much richer mix of diversity than we've than we've seen so the point that we wanted to arrive at and we're still on our way there is moving in such a positive trajectory as a result of the work that we've been doing over the last five to seven years it's it's the, it's the long game but it's the right game because it's creating the right environment to be able to really tip the balance of diversity and inclusion into an industry where people didn't really have those insights until we opened up the doors and we moved our ambassadors in and out of the studio and people had access to industry in a way that they never really had that before. There's also the internal impact um, that we see with our staff. So right now, our educational outreach work is one of the most highly rated areas of, um, according to our annual staff survey, we do a really extensive and comprehensive annual staff survey. And it shows that our staff believe in it and they want to be a part of it and they're really passionate about it. And the, you know, the results back that up. Um, and also, we see we survey applicants these aren't necessarily people who get the job at ca but um there's an anonymous survey for them to say where did they hear about us why are they applying what's their motivation and over the years we've increasingly seen the work of the legacy project um, and the the values we're showing as a studio in our commitment to this work as a key factor of why people want to be here um, and that's that's just really fantastic. It has such far-reaching consequences um, when when your people are so passionate and committed to giving back and making a difference. What role does the cloud and technology play in building greater access to tech jobs in the gaming industry? It's not just about growing teams to create our games, and I think I think technology plays a greater role in helping people um, uh, in, in showing that wider skill set and its availability. Um, so the infrastructure uh, behind making games, the communications, um, Emma spoke about the wider professional careers that are available. Um, they're, they're things that our players might not notice but they exist and they're growing so live operations and supporting how our players get continued support for the games these are all areas that are growing in the industry and uh, are not often talked about so the legacy project and education work and promoting disciplines um, gives us gives us an opportunity to shine a light on those often not thought about areas um, but there's also a role, right, for for the virtual space um, and technology in reaching a more diverse range of students and people who might not be able to come to a physical games event and speak to us. Uh, the role that technology and the clouds can have with uh, bridging industry and education together is is immense. Over the last two years, I said earlier that the access technology for students is, is really been difficult, um, but we really wanted to be able to continue to reach students during a time where they were very, very disconnected. Um, we worked with um, gamesindustry.biz and put on a virtual, um, virtual conference for students so they could still have access to the people that they were hoping to or were used to speaking to. 
the students that we actually got to speak to were students who would never have been able to get to those physical events before. It really opens my eyes up to the possibilities that we could do more of those, that we could access students that don't have the funds, the means, the time available to travel from one end of the country to the other just to spend some time with a developer. Those virtual um, sessions were absolutely critical to being able to reach students in a way that we never did before. The footfall, digital footfall, was was multiples more than we could possibly have expected. Um, and the kind of advice and uh, access that they had were anything from listening to great talks, but actually having one to one portfolio reviews through to career advice or how to address um, being able to apply for roles. And also the parents were able to get involved. They, we were reaching students outside of the UK. We were reaching people globally. It made such a difference. So, you know, using technology in a way that's nothing but positive, that, that was one way that we really saw a big impact, um, particularly in 2020 and 2021. Do you have any specific bits of advice that you would share with individuals from underrepresented backgrounds who are interested in ultimately joining the gaming industry? The advice that I would give to anyone wanting to join the games industry, um, and particularly for people who, who are underrepresented and their sense of self-confidence is less than it should be, is that no one has the right to tell anybody that they can't arrive where they choose to be you can get there. There are more people that want to see you succeed than see you fail. Believe that they are there, they want to help you. Those hands are reaching out to pull you forward. And on the flip side, what advice would you give to other gaming companies who are interested in starting to think about DEI at the organization-wide level? My advice to other games companies is that it might look like as if you're losing productivity by giving time back to your most passionate developers who want to give back to the industry by spending time with young people or reaching out to people who are interested in joining the industry and they don't really know much about it. You're actually going to get far more back than you think that you've lost by losing a few hours on a schedule your developer will come back far more passionate and enthused and invested in what they're doing. And that is infectious. They will bring other people along for the journey with them. They will learn new skills, skills that they've acquired in a really amazing, authentic way. Something Em always talks about, which I think is so, so important, is just keeping that focus on the quality of what you're doing. Um, you know, you don't you don't need to do everything all of the time uh, just because it, you've been asked. You know, think about what you are trying to achieve as a business. Think about what your values are as a business and how that can be reflected in your work with education establishments um, and your work to increase diversity and inclusion, both within your business and externally. Um, you know, and you don't you don't need to create 
something from nothing. There are so many resources out there. There are so many businesses who share what they're doing and share best practices because everyone wants to see each other succeed and contribute to progress. Um, and something we've created, which we've seen used by other studios, um, which is just fantastic and really um, affirming, is uh, we created a games industry careers crib sheet it's really high level and it was created uh, with our 200 CA ambassadors um, via the Legacy Project. And it aims just to give a high level overview of the range of opportunities, um, the, the high level skill sets and the high level software um, required so we can start to kind of demystify um, the, the roles within the games industry. If you liked today's episode, listen back to episode 51 featuring Howard University on how they're working with Amazon and AWS to diversify the tech and entertainment industries, or episode 50 on how the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation preserves its history in the Sahaptan language using AWS. And remember to join the conversation on social media with hashtag FixThisByAWS. A huge thank you to our guests, Emma and Lucy, and thank you for tuning in. If you like today's show, please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share. We'll be here on the next one.